calling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in the world, it's the podcast that pulls back the curtain on the natural product industry. Episode 100, hear me roar is the title. I'm here with Dana, who's whooping it up in the background. Hi, Dana. Hi, Neil. So again, all things Dr. Neil, visit drneilsmoller.com, D-R-N-E-A-L-S-M-O-L-L-E-R.com. It's a very Jewy name. That's my people. So that's how it goes. <laughs> You'll just learn how to spell it. And that's the way it is. So anyway, yeah. you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can listen to our past podcast episodes. And don't forget, pass along this podcast to friends, family, enemies, and more. In fact, when you're waiting in line for your COVID vaccine, why don't you talk about this podcast and how great it is? I think that would that's help. That's a great idea. It'll help make the clinics a little bit easier, you know? Mm-hmm. So before we begin, I just wanted to say like two things that are just on the top, tippy top of my mind before we get into all the stuff that's on my mind today. So the first thing is my absolute favorite thing in the world, and you can tell all your friends this, is that if you tell me that I'm a shill for big pharma, I love that. I, it's my favorite thing. Like when people come to me and say, you're promoting COVID vaccines and you call yourself holistic, you're hypocritical. That, that to me, like, it doesn't get any better than that. I feel like I've done everything I needed to do in my professional career. Nice. You know? Uh, so like, that's just my favorite thing. The second thing is the most important episode in TV history is airing tonight. So we're recording on a Wednesday. Um, Mm. the South park vaccination special. Yeah. And anyone who wants to give me their HBO login, I mean, I'm like desperate here. <laughs> I'm so freaking pumped. We're actually, we have vaccinated friends in town. We're going right over there. I'm going to start drinking early and we're going to watch. I just, I'm so excited to see their take, especially based on the trailers, because this is all I've been living for three months now, you know, mm. and just to hear a sarcastic take on the whole thing. I'm so excited. So it's going to be so good. Today's episode is a big one. You know, it we're, is. we're going to talk about our big week last week and then we're going to, yeah, it was huge, man. It was huge. It was like monumental. Uh, I think I've heard Herculean. Uh, it was big. It was, it was larger than small. And <laughs> we're then going to discuss the end of a big mouth, a little teaser there, and then the birth of a wellness warrior. And then at the end of all of it, we're going to introduce you to a new wise ass. And that's very exciting. So big episode. Big number, 100, all because we've had a big week last week, right, Dana? Totally. We immunized 3,526 people, and probably more because there's still paperwork to be found in the cracks and crevices <laughs> of this place. Uh, but yeah, we did that in three days. And I'm still going cross-eyed with all like the paper yeah. and spreadsheets and crap. And so what I want to do is I want to walk everybody back because I don't believe we even knew the last time we recorded that this was happening because we actually took last week off, right? Right. Yeah. So I think it's important that we kind of walk everybody back. So essentially, um, last Friday, when the last episode aired, I'm at the store working as a pharmacist and I get a phone call and it's the Department of Health and they say, hey, you've been pre-booking like 3,000 doses of Moderna every single week since this started. Can you really get rid of 3,000? Are you just hoping that we give you more than 100? I'm like, I can get rid of that crap in three days. And I said the S word to her. 
So she starts, <laughs> she starts chuckling, of course, just like you did. Right. And, and she's like, no, seriously. I'm like, seriously, I can get rid of it in three days. Give me, put me in coach. I'm ready for it. And so I didn't think much of it. So I been, I reached out to my County contact and I said, Hey, I just got this weird phone call. I don't know what it means. And he said, to be honest with you, we got that phone call about you yesterday too. And we told him that you can do it too. And I'm like, Ooh, wow. very interesting. And then I tell my friends thinking that I'm special. And then all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, they start getting the phone calls too. Can you actually use a thousand? Can you actually use 500? Right. And mm. so I'm like, Oh, well, that's interesting. So we go through the day wondering what's going on. And essentially the state had this glut of Moderna vaccine that was supposed to ship the week before, but because of the insane weather, it didn't ship. So it all got pushed to one week and now they're sitting on this and they got to get rid of it. Right. So Friday night, 7 PM, I'm at my in-laws house, having some pizza, trying to enjoy some booze. Although my father-in-law has not stocked up my favorite booze there. I'm going to have to have a conversation with them about that. I get my note that we're going to get 3,200 doses of Moderna vaccine. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then game on. Right. So it, it starts like a flurry of phone calls first to my County contact celebrating and then to the staff and then to the roadshow pickup is what we'll call it. So I just want to review one concept. So one of the things that we try to do early on with our vaccination efforts was to address the inequities that are inherent in the system right? People that have no access to computers, people that are divided around racial lines because there's nobody going to them and saying to them how good it is. They have no trust of the system because it's failed them so much, right? And then anybody with transportation issues. So we hit that pretty hard. We got lots of recognition for it. And anytime we do anything good, we end up becoming very popular the next week. (laughs) (laughs) So I get more and more friends, right? So once we did the big roadshow and we became known for doing the roadshow, we had about 14 to 15 groups call me until I stopped like taking names, right? I was just like, I'm not taking any more names. Wow. And they had listed out all the different people that they felt would benefit. And they listed out the number of folks they had. So I have this list of like 14 folks, 14 groups, I should say, with about 23, no, I'm sorry, 1,700 people that were subject to any one of these inequity or access issues. Then with the county, I've been, you know, I've been, I'm an advocate for seniors. When I first got out of pharmacy school, my focus was on long-term care. I was a consultant pharmacist. I've always had a thing for educating seniors. Those are predominantly my patients, of course. And so I've always worked with the office of the aging in our county just to help educate seniors, make them healthier, that kind of a thing. So I reached out to them and I said, Hey, do you guys have anybody? And they're like, well, actually we've got about 2,300 people on our list that don't have computers. And I'm like, well, okay. So that's about 4,000 people. Right. So, um, there's a lot of overlap between the 1700 and the 2300, but there was a bunch of people. So I said to myself, self, what if we solve this problem entirely right now? It's about 4,000 people. Let's just pretend there's 500 people that's overlap. I could literally take care of all of the problems that are in this county this week, right? And we never have to do it again. And then we can move on to everybody else who can use a computer and all of that stuff, right? So my idea was, let's create the volunteer army phone bank. And these are the folks that are acting as force multipliers, helping us get these doses in people's arms. I am a small pharmacy, right? I have one full-time pharmacist, and then I've got a couple part-timers, and it's me and some technicians. That's it. I don't have an operations manager. I don't have a number of pharmacists I can pull from. I don't have the leadership infrastructure to take on a project of this scale. But with 
the volunteer army, it makes it so much easier. So we can get doses into people's arms in rat record time. So my little store, instead of being like every other chain pharmacy in the country, that's doing a hundred, they're doing two an hour. I'm not even joking you two an hour. Right. So we we're like, we're using this volunteer army. So I said to them, like, listen, I know you guys are coming to the clinics and you're helping, but what if you adopt 10 to 20 seniors, right? Out of our list, call them and get them signed up for the next clinic. Wouldn't mm -hmm. that be great if we can take care of this list of, let's say 3000 people like tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the, the list, once we get that list taken care of, then we could say whatever's left, then we'll give it to the public. So it solves the problem and we'll have one really tough week, but then we'll never have to worry about it again. We'll never have to hear about it again. Right. And so Dana, this sounds like a great idea, but it's literally the worst idea I've ever had in my life. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw a lot of posts from you and I shared them asking for more volunteers. And well, that's a I, whole nother issue. That's a whole oh, nother thing. Now, this is the Volunteer Army phone bank. So we had 50 people plus 10 of our own staff calling people for freaking hours, hours, yeah. right? And by the end of eight hours, we had 150 out of 1,700 people confirmed. Oh, my God. Oh, it's that crazy. is discouraging. The amount what did of, you do next, Neil? <laughs> the amount of energy it takes to call somebody on the phone that is older and more vulnerable and has less access and to communicate with them and have them understand what's going on and walk them through the process. It is so much energy. And this is what makes this whole process frustrating. I've said since the beginning, senior mm. 75 and above should have been national guard. That should have been it. Right. Yeah. It's too much work. So, you know, by then I said, listen, this is killing my staff. And I gave him a pep talk. I'm like, listen, guys, this sucks. I hate it. I don't want us to do this push through last time we're ever doing this ever again. Right. And so we get to the, um, we get to the, like the eight hour mark. I see how poorly it's going. And I'm like, okay, I'm pulling the plug noon tomorrow is the last you get. Then I'm going to open this up because my ultimate responsibility is to get rid of 3000 doses in uh, three days, four days from today. Right. Mm. So like, I literally have 24 hours to, to like get the plan in place. And I've never done stuff of this scale. Now I've not could do it in my sleep, but like, I still had those stressors. Right. So at the same time, I'm dealing with 14 community groups and all of their needs, and I'm dealing with 50 volunteers and I'm dealing with my 10 staff and we're not getting anywhere. Right. So I said next day at 12, we got to 600 because I gave everybody the ultimatum and then they really started to kind of push and plus people started calling back. So we got to 600 out of like 1700 people. Right. Mm. And so mostly it was like the local doctor's offices that were helping out. And like, we had this community organization led by a real badass that got a bunch of stuff done. But, you know, again, it was rather fruitless endeavor, uh, you know, because essentially before then we were filling up a clinic in no later than two hours, they were just completely filled to the brim. And right. so if it took us this many people in this many hours to get such little results, it really stinks. Right. So like I said, I called it, I said, it's too draining. And here's a little, like a side tidbit. So if you're listening to this and you're either a part of a group and you're trying to get your group vaccinated or you're a pharmacist and you're trying to like do some outreach, because I think this is very important work, tell the groups to maintain a list of names and phone numbers of anybody that calls them and express interest in the vaccine, and then make it three columns. I want the dose. I don't want the dose, or I've already gotten the dose. Right. And then it's the job of that facilities coordinator to basically maintain that list and make sure that they always at any given time have the count of how many people in their charge want or need the dose. Right. And 
because really what it, it comes down to is, is timing, right? So we find out on Friday night that we're getting the dose definitively by Sunday morning, and then we have to fill those spots. So that way we can get rid of it ASAP, right? So it's very difficult to then start the engine of the machine during that small window. And that's really what we're finding out here. And, mm -hmm. you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Uh, the number of community folks that were like, Hey, your group only called half of the people on my list. I thought you said that we were going to have spots, right? And they're like disappointed and they're complaining. Like you said that we would have X number of doses, right? And I've tried to patiently explain to everybody what's going on. But at this point in the game, any complaints get filed under G for garbage because we are killing <laughs> ourselves trying to get people into these doses. And we just, we can't, we can't deal with it anymore. Right. Like there's just too much like negativity around it. Like, could you imagine, like, just think about everything I just said about what we were trying to do here. Right. The scope of yeah. it and how CVS isn't doing that crap. They don't care. Right. They couldn't even get the freaking doses into the nursing home folks arms. Right. Mm. So, so moving forward with this methodology, if, if, Say, for example, a restaurant has 15 employees and they know that three have got the dose and two people don't want it, right? So then they've got a small list, right? 10 people or whatever, right? If I call them and say, hey, I've got 10 doses and I need you to get here right away, that's much easier than us trying to call all the people, find out that they've already got it after they call us back after 15 minutes because they didn't know who called and all of that stuff that happens, right? So I would suggest that if you're doing community outreach, that's what would happen. Now that kind of shifts the responsibility to those groups to maintain that list. And that's a pain in the arse. But if you want these doses when they're available, I think that's the smartest thing to do. So I could then turn to a group and say, listen, you've got 20 spots, give me 20 people. And here's the link. And again, it's spreading the workload out, makes it a little bit less nebulous. And it's just a bit more efficient when other people are calling, not us when we're trying to like administer doses. Mm. Um, so that's my thought process. So basically I was like, we're done. Right. So then, you know, I've got the remainder of the 3,200 doses, basically 2,600 doses. And what I found was I'm like shocked because we put it out there and it took forever for those clinics to fill up. Whereas mm. in the past, they were just like locking it down. Right. So as soon as we would announce it within again, 15, 20 minutes, they were full. Right. I maybe go yeah. two hours at, at most. And so I started to say, that's interesting. And, and what I realized was that we're kind of getting towards capacity where the people that have access to these things uh, have already gotten their doses somewhere, right? So they've already gotten it. They don't really need it. So there's not as much of a demand. So really what I saw was like, hey, maybe we're getting to a point where we've done our work and now we need to expand the group a little bit, right? And get more people involved. So that way we can immunize more. And so, um, so that's what uh, what my read was initially. So then we said, all right, we've got this filled. And here's how we broke it down. We did three clinics. We did one at the Sargates High School because we wanted to target my hometown, Sargates, New York, where I grew up, where I started my first business, where I those people that were on the list, and this is the Braveheart speech I gave everybody that morning. I said, the people that are on this list aren't just our neighbors and our friends. These are the people that you know supported me, not just when I was... 30 and had the village apothecary in Sargreece. But when I was 14 and I wanted to be a pharmacist, I would like ring them up at the, the pharmacy way back then. And they were always supporting us in everything that we've done. Right. So we owe it to them to really just like be okay with the, you know, cluster F of a day that it's about to be and really like give our all to these people to make sure that, you know, they have a good experience. Right. So that was kind of like the, the thing. So we went first to Sargreece High School, 1700 people was the target. 
The next day, we were going to go to the Kate Walton Fieldhouse, which is in Kingston, New York, and that's going to target all of those other inequities in Kingston. Um, it's kind of like the central area for Ulster County. And we only did a thousand there. And the recommendation was to do less because I was going to do 1700, 1700, and then clean up in Woodstock. Right. Mm. But they're like, you can't handle 1700 there. The parking lot's like a mile away. There's only eight handicapped spots. We only do at most a thousand doses there. So I had to scale it down. So then I said, all right, so then the remainder then is about 500 doses. We can do that in Woodstock till the cows come home. We've done that a bunch now, right? We've done that three or four times. So, so that's yeah. the plan. 1700 in Saugerties, Kingston, and then Woodstock, uh, 1,500, right? So that's the plan. So we partnered with literally everybody to get it done in Saugerties, the town supervisor, the mayor of the village the veterans, volunteers, our volunteer army, and of course the school who like could not have been more accommodating. Everybody rolled out the red carpet for us. It was the best feeling in the world to have so many people, the police, right? So my grandfather was a village cop for you know a million years and he was the village police commissioner on, on he had that seat on the board, right? So it's a small town, you know, it's really great that he did it, but it's like, who cares? It's not like it's New York city. It's not chief Gordon. Right. So like, <laughs> you know, like, but the gentleman that was the, the Lieutenant that came and to help out, he was a kid when, when he's, you know, I was a child and he was a kid when I first met him and he was first starting and my grandfather was one of his mentors. Right. So it's like, huh. it, this means a ton, right. Being here means a ton. And he's like, anything you need, I got you. And they put a cop there and it was just really, really such a great feeling to have, to know that I had everybody behind me. Right. And so I'm ready to go. We did the Braveheart speech. Uh, I think I owe the school uh, toner cartridge and like a box of paper because like <laughs> I had them print out our, our list and stuff, but whatever. Yeah. Absolute <laughs> show. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> a one and a half hour wait. Right. And that is so uncharacteristic of me. If you've heard about my clinics, you've heard about everything I do. Everybody's like, Oh my God, that was a dream. Five minutes. Like, you know, what is it? Like the longest wait's been 15 minutes, but that's normally five to 10 minutes from their appointment time. Right. At worst. Right. So my time's two o'clock I'm out of there by two ten. you know, <laughs> because yeah. I showed up five minutes early. Right. Um, it was very difficult to maintain social distancing. There was people waiting outside. Thankfully it was a beautiful day. And this bottleneck was caused by data entry, because if you think about it, I have to add 1700 people to my computer system. And if people mm -hmm. knew how to use computers, it wouldn't be an issue, but people don't. And so if you say, I need you to type in your address, type in your city, and they'll put Sargerty's space, New York, like all of the words, right? Even though I asked for the city, if I ask for your legal first name, they'll put their first name and their middle initial, right? And I couldn't even get near insurance, right? So we have to process all of that information. We only have to do it once to get everybody into our system, right? And get everything up to date to do what we need to do to be compliant, right? We have to get your allergies. We have to get your primary care doctor, all of this information, right? And so our bottleneck was caused by that because we were we knew that it was going to be stressful. Like we know that if we don't do this work today and have a really crappy day, that it's going to be a month of trying to get 1,700 people to call us back, you know? Yeah. So we went into it like that. So we try to use a phone based app to make it quick, you know, like a bunch of young folks like clicking away on their, on their phones, but then the connection inside a school sucks, right? Because it's like brick walls from a hundred years ago. So there's no connection. We're trying to use their Wi-Fi, and we had to use a HIPAA secure app, of course, to take pictures, to make sure we, you know, everything was accurate. Right. And so <laughs> 
it was it was our fault completely, right? And so by like 530, I'm like, I need to go home. And I look outside and the line's still winding around outside. Oh, Everybody's God. like stressed, right? And I'm right. So I'm on two hours of sleep already because of a whole nother story. I've eaten nothing. I had half a slice of pizza and like four Dunkin' Munchkins and like three thimble glasses of Pepsi. And I'm like, screw it. We're switching to paper. So I, I'd say, everybody stop, right? And I rearranged the entire gym to create a workflow where we were going, uh, check in paperwork and then wait in, uh, and then wait in line for your shot, get your shot and then get observed, right? I rearranged the entire gym with our volunteers to make mm -hmm. it so you come in, you get your shot, then you wait and do your insurance simultaneously, right? And so we make this shift. I crunched through 265 people in 30 minutes. Wow. So, so, and like that was four immunizers and I've got some of the most badass nurses now that are in my like squad that can really move. Right. And they were teaching me all sorts of nurse tricks to like do it even better than what I was doing before. Nice. So I, I knew it wasn't, it wasn't our immunization system. It was just the paperwork. So I knew I had to kind of fix that data entry bottleneck. Right. And so during this time, we're getting a couple complainers. Right. And so mm -hmm. You know, we're just telling folks, listen, I, I went around all day and I was like, I just want to explain what's going on. We had a bottleneck. This is the reason. I'm sorry. I literally went up and down the line outside like three or four times as I'm giving people shots. Thank you for your patience. And most, almost everybody was like, listen, no big deal. Right. Like I would wait hours for this. Yeah. And a couple of people are like, your system needs to get fixed. This is ridiculous. And I'm like, you've waited longer for pizza. Let's be honest. And <laughs> Sargates would have been on the back of a very long line if it weren't for the efforts of the volunteers that were here, right? So don't right. take take me out of it and like what the crazy crap I've been doing. But if it weren't for all of these people that are here for free that don't really want to hear your complaining, right? They just want to have a positive experience and give you the best that they can, you know, you wouldn't even get a dose, right? You'd be going to yeah. the Javits Center in New York City, right? And so, you know, like again, we, by the end of that day, we immunized 1,683 of the most vulnerable Sargis folks. And it was a really, really great thing. I took the L, right? I took uh -huh. the L. That's a loss for me. Even though, you know, again, most people are like, dude, dude, you killed it, right? But I'm saying to myself and like, you know, that was a loss. Like I didn't want, I wanted to prove that we could kill it from right at the get-go. You know, what I've been saying to people, it's like, it's funny. Socrates has always been where I, I learned from hard knocks and then I applied my learnings to the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what's happened. Right. As you're being your hometown. So, um, what, there was a lot of really great innovations that came out of it. And I want to share them because it may be relevant for other people. If you're volunteering at these clinics or if you're hosting these clinics, the first thing that I've realized, especially because I had in the back of my mind that everybody's panicked about us going to Kingston and having this massive clinic with the parking situation, is that the handicap folks need priority. So you always are going to have a limited amount of handicap parking, right? Whether it's big or small. So anybody that's in a walker, wheelchair, cane, or crotch need to go first. And so what we did that day before we had kind of had that aha moment, we stacked up a bunch of them that were waiting in that line on like the handicapped parking area. And then we just brought four volunteers outside. They screened them. And then I just went up and down and immunized them and got them out of there. 
that was something that was really rewarding to me because, you know, the amount of physical stress that they were going through and just like the parking access, I'm like, that was a really great idea. And I think it was one of my buddies that came up with that. It was really, really smart. Mm. And so we use that actually at the other clinics. And that's our MO moving forward is that if you're cane, crutches, wheelchair walker, you get pulled out of line, you get taken care of and you get out of there before anybody else. Nice. So along with that is this idea of mobile screening. So what's the point of you coming in and sitting at a desk and then saying, you know, have you used any antibiotics or vaccines in the last 14 days and all of that crap? Like we have people with clipboards, there's people waiting in line. So we just had people walk and do that process. So literally all they had to do was do the insurance check-in, which took about two minutes. And then they get their vaccine, which takes about two minutes, right? So we cut a whole step out. So then we use the mobile screeners at our other clinic to help chew through some of the lines. So I'll talk about that in a second. But the idea of like moving the volunteers to the people as they wait was really great. Then the last one, which my wife would have benefited from if we learned it that night, was somebody dedicated to reconciling and filing the 1700 papers that we had to deal with. Because hmm. we have to put all that in alphabetical order. <laughs> so by the second day, I'm like, okay, I'm a volunteer is dedicated to this. We're giving them 26 folders and your job is to put it in alphabetical order by last name. Aaron, it took her like 14, 16 hours to do it you know, for oh, the Sargates clinic. Yeah. So, but from again, school of hard knocks, we learn all these different lessons. Now we did it with four immunizers. We had one pharmacist in the, in the girl's locker room, just drawing up doses. And then I was the guy that was just picking up the slack, whatever there was a bottleneck. So if there's a bottleneck at check-in, I would go help out with that. If they needed help drawing doses, I would go draw a bunch of doses. Or if they needed somebody to immunize, I would just immunize like 18 people in a minute, you know, just like, bah, 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 you know, just like, like yeah. I'm throwing darts. Right. <laughs> and so, so like, that's kind of like what my role was. So I was filled with blood and sweat and I was hungry and I go home after a successful day, still, you know, again, moderately successful, but it's like, I'm like, I'm going to get a Big Mac, <laughs> I'm going to get a large fry and I'm getting a full sugar soda. That's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get all 2000 calories from junk food right now before bed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So based on the intensity of that day, my body did not reach uh, even a hyped up state. I went from like psycho to hyped up state until about one in the morning. It took 150 milligrams of CBD to finally just calm me a little bit. And Oof. I just kept thinking of that uh, scene from like um, old school where it's like, dude, you got a dart in your neck. Like, that's what I just kept thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, again, it's, it's now, it's now eight thirty nine o'clock. I'm finally getting home. I take a shower. I'm, I'm in so much pain, blisters on my feet. I can't even stand on my toes, right? Mm -hmm. My legs, my lower back, I'm a mess. And I have to do all the work for the next day's clinic. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> so I finally fall asleep around, uh, three o'clock, wake up at five and I go and do it again. And so day two is a thousand people are scheduled for Kingston. It's at, again, the Kate Walden field house. Two nights before I get a phone call from, again, another Sargates dude that's got my back, right? So his family, very well known in the town. They own a funeral home. He's just been an awesome dude. I had the honor of being able to take care of his parents. And like, you know, he calls me and he's he works for the police department. He's like, listen, we hear you're coming to town. Nobody knows you're coming. <laughs> like the, nobody communicated that you were coming. Important people knew that we were coming, but nobody really knew. And he's like, and you're not the county. So we technically don't have to support you like you, we do them. Right. He's like, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, of course. Right. But you have to know that you're pretty much going in there 
defenseless. So then I have to scramble and say, listen, I need help and support. And everybody helped me because again, the only reason I went to Kingston was to help out these people to try to solve this problem. So right. I said, listen, guys, like help me out. And they said, of course, yeah, no problem. We'll take care of you. So, so we are dealing with the situation at this place where the parking lot is, is so far that they need a shuttle right? For most people, wow. uh, especially elderly people, there's only about eight to 10 handicapped spots up front. And it's very difficult traffic wise to kind of move around, right? It's kind of like a campus that's been compressed down, like a college campus compressed down to a small footprint. And so inside it's this great spot. It's got this big, huge gym, gigantic gym. And then it's got all the sashians, which are those like rope things that like make a line you know, when yeah. you're at, you know, so, so I'm like, oh, this is fun. So like, we're making like different cues and like everything. I'm like, oh, we're gonna, we have so much room in here. We're never going to have a line. Right. So we go heavy with the volunteers <laughs> because of what happened yesterday. And then it, oh, oh no, oh my God, it's happening again. Right. So by eight o'clock, we've got 50 people in line, right. There's people there at seven in the morning and they're in your faces about it too. Right. So mm -hmm. it's not that you come so ridiculously early to this thing that you're just constantly interrupting us and asking us questions. Stop. Right. I'm not here. Right. Right. And so people were coming up to me while they're staying in line when I'm like training the staff on what to do so we can get this thing going. And people are like, can you immunize people that are 64 and have coma? And I'm like, now is not the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> go away from us. Right. And so, <laughs> so by nine o'clock, it's the nightmare again. Exactly what happened in Sargates, where we have a billion senior citizens in line wrapped around the building. That's what we have now. It's literally oh, going no. through the entirety of the gym back and forth twice, and then out the door and down the steps and down the street. Right. And I'm Jeez. like, oh my God, is this just the nature of these bigger clinics? Because I've just done smaller ones, right? Where we can say, point to people and say, get back in your car. And this one we can't, right? So then at 9.30 in the morning, 30 minutes later, the facility people are like, dude, you're not maintaining social distance. This is a zoo. You got to fix this. So like I, I start like I throw six volunteers on traffic control. I go outside. I kick people off the stairs. And like because one of the security people have, came with this great idea, tape off the stairs. Like we don't want anybody to use the stairs at all. So we tape them off. We come up with this really great idea. And then we get back inside. So now that's all really good. Right. And so we're pushing the handicapped people through. We fixed our tech problem. We're not doing the phones anymore. We're doing uh, like a secure spreadsheet on our computers using like VPNs and stuff like that. So we've still got all of the encryption and compliance that we need, but now we're not using those stupid tools. So then we just start going like everybody's just go, go, go. Right. So like immunizing like crazy. We're going, going, going. All of a sudden I look up at 1030, just an hour later from that. And I look towards the door just to see where we're at. And I don't see anybody. And I go, is, is everybody outside? And they're like, nobody's outside. And I'm like, nobody's outside. And then I look over where the line is and there's like 12 people in line. I'm huh. like, no way. We chewed them up and spit them out. And so like, again, it was validation. It was like everything we learned in Socrates totally paid off because now we're using the mobile people. We're pulling in the handicapped folks. We're socially distancing everybody actively. And like, we're, 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 you know, we're telling people what to do. And then we're using our system of volunteers to, again, chew them up and spit them out. And like people, you know, at the beginning, like at 1030, they're like, my appointment was 920, right? Mm. By the middle of the day, somebody comes up to me, goes, is second dose is going to take as long as this? And I'm like, well, what time was your appointment? And he's like, 215. And I look at the clock and it's like 218. Uh. And I'm like, sir, what I want you to do is I want you to tell everybody that your appointment was at 215 and you left at 218. And I want you to ask them, you know, what they think of that. 
right? Yeah. And he's like, well, why is that fast? I'm like, is that fast? Give me a break. Like, yes. And second doses are going to be much easier, right? So there's no line. And so this is the site that the county's working. And again, I've got a good relationship with one of the contacts there. So I start busting on them, right? I text them. I'm like, we have no line. What are you guys doing wrong? (laughs) (laughs) And then he starts sending me like pictures of security cameras. As soon as like, I've got more than four people in line. Hey, you got a line, get back to work kind of a thing. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so successful. I'm like, listen, let's move some people because as we've said before, 3,200 doses and 3,200 doses is technically could be 10 to 20% more. So we had at that point drawn up um, 300 extra doses, 10% more. So I'm like, well, let's do 200 more here today and then hundred more tomorrow, right? So we put out the call, we get up 200 more people in there. I'm able to take care of some more of the folks that we missed with that whole like phone bank nightmare from the day before, right? So it's great. Get 1,200 doses done around 1183, I think was the number. And we we wrap up our Thursday, right? And we're feeling good. We're feeling cocky now, right? So we've got 2,700 <laughs> doses, technically almost 3,000 doses done. And we're going to go into Woodstock. And this is 500 doses. Look, again, I've done those all day, right? So mm. we have those extras. So I've got 500. And then I'm thinking there's going to be a total of about 600. So I add in 120 more folks. And I can't fill it. It takes hours to fill it up. And by this point, we've actually crushed our standby list because we tried to call everybody on the first night, but nobody answered, nobody could come and everybody's gotten doses. So our 80 person standby list is now like three people deep, right? And so, uh, you know, we get the 600 people in Woodstock, uh, we've exhausted our, our list and we just completely kick Woodstock's butt. Like Woodstock is completely done. No big deal, Right. But the most important story out of all this is how we ended the week. So we've got this three crazy days. I've got six hours sleep total, have eaten maybe 4,000 calories, you know, out of three days and Mm. the cancellations and the no shows were so high this time. I couldn't believe it. Right. Yeah. And because we were using paper and pen, it's very difficult to know where you are at any given time, especially with all this stuff going on. On Wednesday night, we had 122 cancellations or no shows. On Thursday, we had around 60 and Friday, we had 80 some folks, right? So you're talking about 300 people that just bounced out, right? So on Wednesday, we had zero time. The doses were about to expire in 45 minutes. So we tried to start with just the priority folks, but at at one point, I'm just like, everybody call two people and get them in here to get doses, right? And Mm. so we we ended up immunizing a bunch of young folks and like restaurant workers and stuff like that, but people that weren't priority group because we didn't want the doses go to waste, right? On Thursday, this is where we had what I call the attack of the skulkers, right? So the media has been telling people, go to these clinic sites and wait there in the last hour because you might get a dose. And I hate that idea. Like, I want to punch people in the face for saying that, right? Mm. And so there's this dude in a yellow coat, whoever you are, I want to bite me. Like, that's what I want to say to you. <laughs> this guy is standing there and I keep saying to him, I'm like, I've got time on the clock. I don't need you at all to be here. I've got two hours before these doses expire. I can take all day, call everybody that's 65 and older. So I follow the rules that I'm required to follow. Right. But what, again, what we find is we've crushed our standby list and we can't really do it, but we can focus on priority group people. So again, uh, all the folks that were volunteering, they called anybody that had comorbidities that were restaurant workers, anybody that could apply. But the guy's like, listen, you're not answering my question. You're not answering my question. This isn't fair. And I'm like, I am not the government. I don't give a shit about fair, you know, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> just walk on dude. And like, I just totally ignored him. Right. And like, he just starts like hammering, like I, 
I don't like you, man. Like you should have just been like, okay, that's what it is. Like he just kept trying to be pushy. Like, okay, I'm going to change my mind and then definitely give you a dose. No, I have a responsibility. I can only immunize certain people. Right. And if I do anybody else, I could lose my ability to give doses. So right. I don't want you and your yellow coat and your persistence to freaking ruin my day and my month. Right. Cause we're doing so great here. So, so Friday I go in and I'm confident that this extra dose thing isn't going to be an issue because now we got the 600 people, everything's going to be good. Nobody in Woodstock backs out, right? <laughs> Freaking 80 people. Right. So I use my big brain on this one. And I think this one, like, I, I know you agree with this. Like this was a really good idea. So I said, what if we solved one problem once and for all for everybody, which is the restaurant workers, right? So I call every single restaurant in town and say, I've got doses, get anybody over here. You possibly can. Right. Because how, how is that more than 80 people? It's Woodstock. There's like 10 restaurants, right? There's gotta right. be. So we did it. And a couple of my closer, you know, patient friends and like, you know, business owner friends, they really took the lead. They called everybody that could. And we, the, the halls were filled once, you know, and you know, for the future with young people, it's always been 65 plus right now. I've got a bunch of 20 yeah. year olds in there. It was really interesting to see. Right. And so because of that, we were able to not waste the doses and we so like practically solved the problem of every rest. The safest place to eat in our County is our town right now. Yeah. <laughs> because they're all vaccinated. Right. I know. And I, I was so, when I read that on Facebook, I was like genius and I'm so happy for these people and they must feel so relieved. Right. Because being in a restaurant is one of the worst places to be. Yeah. The reason the pandemic is out of control is because of all these other States, people are going to these restaurants and it's spreading like wildfire. I mean, it's I, common sense would tell you that spending that much time with strangers and no mask is really, really dangerous. And yet people just insist. I mean, like I, I get the cognitive dissonance or dissonance rather that, um, you know, you, you're missing your regular life. I get that. But you can't, <laughs> it's still too soon to be like, well, you know, people are starting to get immunized. I'm going to go back to normal. It's right. it's too soon. And I'm just seeing like so many restaurant parking lots packed lately. And I'm just like, right. I know you're not all immunized. I know right. it. Right. And so that was it for me. Right. So this is the end of a three day insane march. Right. And um, I, I knew once we drew up the last dose, I knew how many doses we would have given. 3,526 for our three days. I had my staff print me a little sign and I walked around at the last hour and I said, this is what we did folks. Right. And like, and I just kept walking around with it. And then once we went over the, the CF of having all these people bum rush us and get these vaccines in people's arm, we, we, we took a minute and just celebrated. I got a picture of me with that sign. And, I, and like, I'm like, we got to document this. Right. And yeah. so we pack everything up. I give Bill McKenna, the supervisor of Woodstock, who's literally the reason that we can get this done because he's the one that put trust in me. Give him a big hug. I said, we really did something special here this week. Not just the 3,500, but the Woodstock restaurants. Like that's how we get people back to town, you know, and mm. back to back to life. So I just ugly cried the entire way home. <laughs> like <laughs> just big old, like the weight of it, like 3,500 people now are protected because of us and what we've done. All right. And I just, 15 minutes of crying. And my wife texts me. She's like, Hey, our friends are having a little get together. They're all immunized now. Um, we're going to go over there. I'll meet you over there. So we get over there. They've got 
they actually got stuff for me, which was nice. Right. So they, they got some booze and stuff like that. So I, um, I started just pounding drinks, <laughs> right? <laughs> I had like five shots and like double bourbons and stuff like that. And because I had eaten so little and required so much energy, I got not a lick drunk, like not wow. a lick. I've never had that happen in my life. I was like, is this like the keto diet where your body <laughs> just shifts and just uses energy from something else that it normally doesn't? Because I've never had that happen. I would figure to some degree I would get drunk. I might've been buzzed for like 30 minutes, but that was about it. I couldn't That's believe bananas. it. It was nuts. So it was a really big success. That's why I said, hear me roar, because like I knew going into this week that this is going to show everybody what we're all capable of, uh, the volunteer army and all. And, you know, it's really interesting because it opened up this whole new can of worms. We understand that people are going to arrive two hours early for anything that's important, right? right? And so if you're going into one of these clinics, that means you're going to have a substantial backlog when the door opens. So my suggestion is to not have a backlog when the door opens, go heavy with your volunteers. And as soon as people start getting there, you know, within reason, open the doors and start pushing them through. Right. So our plan, when we go back to Socrates, I'm going to be there ready to rock for 7am. And then as people drip in, the volunteers will be there an hour early. We're going to go heavy and then we're just going to push people through. So there's zero wait time, zero wait time is the goal. Right. Nice. And so I've said it before. I don't think anybody should legally be able to use a computer, right? So on this last <laughs> go, I, I actually had on the on the thank you screen, like there's no confirmation. This is your confirmation. Write down these numbers, print the screen, do whatever you have to do, right? And just because there was no email confirmation, I got 700 emails. I'm not too sure. <laughs> if, I'm not too sure if I have an appointment, right? I didn't get any confirmation, right? I I, oh, I don't geez. know what time my time is, right? It was insane. And, and because people didn't get that email confirmation that made them feel comfortable, I had 248 rows of duplicate entries because people were like, I don't know if I have an appointment, even though it says that you have an appointment. So they, Jeez. there was like, again, 80 people that like just kept spamming it because they re- kept, re- you know, they didn't know that they were getting, get a spot. Right. Crazy. So <sighs> we're going into these clinics now with too much of a customer service burden to possibly address everybody's asking the same dumb questions. Please confirm my appointment. I, everybody, every conversation is like this. People are calling, I'm 72 and I've got a little asthma and I've got, and I'm from big Indian. And it's like, you don't have to give me your credentials. 65 plus as of, you know, last week was all we could do. 65 plus. If you're over 65, yes. And if you're not, no. Right. And the fact that I immunized other people was an emergency, right? That was it. And that was my, my inexperience. That'll never happen again. Right. And so it's, so our new policy is if you can email us to ask us a question, you can read the website. And if you're asking us something that's already been answered, we're going to delete it because there is no sense of us spending any of our time answering something that's already been answered. So, so the other thing is complainers go right in the garbage. We're not even listening to you. We don't care. We're we're performing friggin' miracles if you really think about it, and we we don't owe an explanation to you or anybody else, right? So right. one of there was another f- person, one of the community groups that was like complaining. I just kept pushing her voicemail. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. Like you're unhappy. You come do the work. You can come sit with us, and you can come get this done without a doubt, right? So our service motto isn't like f you. It's it's like everything is here. And you just have to do some work too, right? right? So our experience is still going to be light years ahead of everybody else's. It's just that you need to kind of come to the table with a little bit more, right? So 
We've got some really great tech innovation. We're actually going to have an appointment confirmation app that people can use. But overall, it's a wild week, right? A big week for us, right? Yeah. A big week, big, a good way to hit 100 episodes. We've now immunized at least 4,800 people, 6,700 doses given total. And that brings us to the end of my conversation and the beginning of something new. All right. So Dana, we are at episode 100 and I've Mm -hmm. already teased that there's the death of the big mouth and here's where I'm at, right? So I have for some time been struggling with the idea of the big mouth pharmacist being who I'm known for, right? It seems like it fits, but it doesn't. I'm more sarcastic than I am really just like a loudmouth dude, right? And yeah. I've been looking at COVID as a kind of defining point. Most people are, right? The pre and post COVID world. And what's interesting is like, this also fits in really well with my five-year plan. Five years ago, almost to the day, I announced that I was selling my hometown pharmacy drugstore, not probably the worst moment of my life professionally, right? bookmarked at the end with some of the best moments of my life professionally, right? And really kind of setting up the idea is what the, what is the next five years got in store for Neil? And this whole Dr. Neil thing, I, I'm resistant to the idea of being known as some sort of gimmicky name. And a lot of my people that have been with me for a long time are getting a real good chuckle out of making fun of me around <laughs> the, oh, Dr. Neil, you know, that whole thing, right? <laughs> Um, but I just feel like the big mouth doesn't really fit into the message of what we're trying to do. So my thought for what's next is that we close the book on the big mouth pharmacist. The big mouth pharmacist is dead, right? Oh man. And we, we rename our podcast here to the, the wellness warrior podcast. I think that fits much more into what our mission is, right? This you've seen the t-shirt. First I off, have, yeah. I've got that Velociraptor. I want to use that as much as humanly possible. I've been... <laughs> channeling my inner velociraptor since 1992, as one of my high school buddies have said. And it's, I just think that it's true. Like the idea of war isn't the greatest, but this is a fight. This is a battle here. You know, we're trying to work against, I guess, this broken behemoth supplement industry that has us really kind of fooled thinking that, that their products are natural and that it's better and superior to the pharmaceutical industry. And, you know, our whole wrap around how holistic doesn't mean what you think it is. And these MFers are lying to us, right? So right. We, we want better quality. We want clarity instead of misinformation and we want real results, right? So these wellness warriors who are, that's who I refer to in my newsletter as well. These are consumers, but it's also the army of healthcare practitioners that I'm coaching and building into the general roles to have practices that mirror ours doing wellness with integrity. So again, I'm not really up for the war reference, but I I just really like that Velociraptor logo. So (laughs) I I feel like nothing's going to really change for us at the Big Mouth Pharmacist podcast. And I I feel like we could say, I think we're in season two, if I'm correct. We can just say that season three moving forward is now the Wellness Warrior podcast with new artwork. And we'll have that voiceover guy just change up what he's saying. Right. But that's really it. I think the other thing that's going to change is our release schedule. And I think what we're going to do is do it every other week. And there's going to be kind of like an explanation around that. Um, but I think every other week fits better to give a higher quality podcast, you know, if we're trying mm-hmm. to do that. So the question then becomes, how do I scratch this wise ass itch of mine? Right. So I'm going to be my normal sarcastic self with you and I on this podcast, the Wellness Warrior Podcast, season three of Big Mouth Pharmacist. We're changing, right? Mm -hmm. But 
and I'm going to let all like Dr. Axe and Dr. Whatever be the formal nerds that are just very stiff about this whole thing, but I like to keep it real, you know, so I'm going to always do that. But my thought is, is that I can bring wellness information to people and do so in a fun manner and get uh, silly with it. So actually I've got somebody that I want to loop in here. So I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, Dana and listeners. This is Mr. Mark DeSico. Say hi, Mark. Uh, hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. Great. So I was sitting on the toilet one day and I was thinking it's about a, Mark. It's a great preface. <laughs> We're off to a good start. So Mark, I want you to introduce yourself. Why are you taking these people's valuable time? Explain that. And who do you think you really are right now? Yeah. So I'm just a guy <laughs> who Neil thinks about on the toilet. And, uh, and that makes me qualified to join in this war that Neil so eloquently uh, described where we're, we're taking back wellness from the, I guess the big people who want to steal our wellness. I'm not, it wasn't clear to me who's trying to take our wellness. Um, Somebody's out there taking it. It seems like someone is interested in stealing our wellness and you're here to fight against them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we're, if, yeah. So, I mean, if there's a war happening, I'm happy to be a general in that war. So, uh, you know, a little bit about me, I'm, I'm basically just a regular dude. Um, But you're more uh, you know, than I have, a regular dude, Mark. I'm a, I'm a, I'm like above average, you know, in a lot of ways. And so one of the ways, um, you know, what I what I sort of bring is, uh, you know, I've uh, recently, you know, taken my own wellness, uh, you know, to the next level. And so, um, you know, my hope is is that in a very real sort of practical way to share my experience um, and the work that I've done and continue to kind of do around my own, my own wellness journey. And so for me, you know, I've, uh, Neil knows this and, and so it's, it's going to be redundant, but for listeners who don't know me, obviously, hi, um, I, uh, was over 420 pounds, um, pretty recently. It's not, funny. Um, it's not, there's no joke there. That's not, there's no punchline. That's just <laughs> okay. the reality that I was 420 pounds, which is, uh, a lot of pounds for yeah. uh, an adult male. And, uh, you know, so I, I had took a lot of steps towards, um, taking back my health and, uh, I had, uh, I had lost a hundred pounds twice in my life before I've kind of always been a, a larger fella. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in that sort of like, I'm 38, 39, you know, this is no longer funny. It's dangerous. <laughs> um, and you know, like the Chris Farley timeline, it, you know, ends in the thirties. So I couldn't quite, you know, stay on that path. And I have a wife, I have a young daughter, um, who's in school. And so, and they're both better people than you are way better, way better. And so (laughs) it became, it became pretty clear that like, uh, you know, I had to get, I had to get honest about the issues and I had to take steps towards, uh, you know, getting my health back. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was at a war, you know, against myself, (laughs) um, but also against, you know, uh, doctors like Dr. Neil or other (laughs) medical professionals who, who don't frankly talk well about, nutrition or about how to better, you know, care for myself in a way that's going to actually be practical. And so for me, um, you know, a lot of this stuff was trial and error that I had to do. And so, you know, I, I worked, um, pretty hard on some of the exercise components and I'll sort of, as we kind of go through this stuff, I'll talk, you know, in very specific detail about my exercise, uh, process and routine. Um, you know, I found a program that really works for me and, uh, and is accessible to kind of any fitness level. And so that's, what's really attractive to me about it was when I was 400 plus pounds, I was able to do these exercises and was able to uh, combine them with, you know, some healthy eating tips, 
um, that have, you know, taken me to where I am now. And so, um, you know, I had uh, gastric bypass surgery as part of this process to help with um, my weight loss. And um, that was, you know, not an experience that I would necessarily uh, say everyone should do or shouldn't do. Um, but that's part of my process as well. And so, um, you know, I just have a kind of a myriad of, of experiences that I think um, would lend themselves well to this discussion. You know, I'm, I'm not a pharmacist. I'm not a doctor. Um, you know, just a, a guy who, you know, works for a living, right. um, and doesn't have, you know, like, uh, I'm not saving the world from COVID. You know, I'm just, I'm a guy, I'm just a guy who, you know, lost a bunch of weight, but, uh, you know, we have a, we have an obesity crisis in this country, you know? Without so, a doubt. Um, so, you know, and I was definitely somebody, I mean, I'm still technically my BMI is over 30. I was able to get a COVID shot because my BMI is still over 30. I weigh 240 pounds at, at about five foot 10. Um, and you know, I, um, I qualified still, so I'm still technically, uh, by law, I guess, obese. Is there a law um, so about obesity? I don't, I don't know. know if it's technically that's how that works, but that's the science, you know, we're following the science. Mm -hmm. Um, the science says I'm obese. And so, um, but I've never felt healthier. I've never had more of a healthy routine. And, and so are some of, some of the things that I hope I can bring is just a real practical approach to this stuff. You know, people on the internet are always sort of like, well, you know, I need motivation. I wish I had what you had, I wish I had motivation and, and motivation's fleeting. It's, it's a discipline game for me. And so, sure. you know, I think that's part of the discussion too, is getting real about sort of what gets in the way. And, and, you know, Neil has uh, called me out uh, a few times on Facebook around, you know, <laughs> like, you know, he was kind of like noticing how gigantic I was in my pictures. And so his thought was, well, I'm a pharmacist, so I'm going to sit down with my old buddy and just tell him he's fat and help him. That'll help him like not be fat. And, uh, <laughs> and that was like his like medical plan to help me. And so, um, he didn't follow through on that. Um, and I think people are, people are sort of afraid to talk about this stuff with, with others. I think, you know, it's like, it's kind of like a taboo topic to be like, Hey man, like, you're not healthy. Uh, you know, and I've had sort of people come up to me now and be like, you know, I heard you coming down the hall cause I could hear you breathing and I worried nice. about your health. And I'm like, yeah, God, that's, you know, and multiple people from like multiple walks of life were like, I could hear you breathing coming down the hall. And I worried that like, you weren't going to make the steps to me in a yes. straight line on a flat surface. And I'm like, geez, well, you should have heard me coming up and down steps. Right, um, exactly. So, you know, if you thought this walking on regular straight floors was bad. Um, so, so I guess, you know, that's a lot of information and certainly it's like a lot of backstory and there's, there's more to say, but, um, you know, I can't give it all away now. Right. I mean, no, you right. Do all of that. At they this call it point. a teaser. This is a teaser. This is a yeah. teaser. That's sort of an overview. Um, so, you know, I think, um, you're a former fat guy, the former gigantically fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> and you sure. are successful in your own journey and now yes. you're dedicating your life to bringing, realistic information, accessible information to other people. You founded RTD fitness named after your father who just recently passed yep. and you're, you're building a business around keeping it real with wellness. So I believe that you and I can form a highly sarcastic and equally dysfunctional Voltron of sorts, right? Yeah, for sure. And we can call ourselves wise ass wellness. Okay. 
And yeah, I, think, I mean, I love that. I love yeah. the, I love the, I love the approach here. Um, I think that's good. Do we go to war? I don't know how the war piece works. No, is there I a mean, war component to this, or is it just we're just wise asses? No, I think we can play Uno at, at right. most. You know, All right. but that we're not going to go to war. Like not it, full war. Okay. No, no, we're just going to play Uno, and we're going to do house rules that really suck. So get everybody really upset, uh, but not like full on war. So no one likes we'll that. Do. All right. Okay. Yeah, that so, sounds amazing. So, folks, this is Mark DeSico. He's going to be my new co-host of a new podcast that we're going to do in the off week. So, every other week, we're going to do a little leapfrog here. We're going to do the Wellness Warrior podcast, Wise Ass Wellness every other week. I can't stay serious. Everybody's too damn serious, and it's not accessible, and people are having a difficult time listening to all these gurus and health guys that are putting their pictures on Instagram with all the great stuff that they're doing, and it's all fake nonsense. You need to hear from real people and get real advice. And so there is going to be heavy cross promotion between these shows, man. I'm going to be talking about why is this wellness? Well, why is this wellness? I'm going to be talking about the wellness warrior. We're going to be talking all about it. And we're going to like bring some good information to folks. So that way we can make some change in people's lives instead of just, you know, kind of talking smack. So thank you, Mark, for coming on and introducing yourself. I can't sure. wait to get started. I um, love to be on the off weeks. How come we're not the on week? Okay, exactly. we're now on the on week, and All I'm right. on the off week. I just <laughs> okay. made that Excellent change. Excellent point. Thank you. Right? I mean, I'm the off week guy. I'm just like the I'm like the guy on the side who gets the crap week. It's like, all right, you get the leftover week. Oh, thanks. And then the nice um, thing is, is we can bring in Dana, and then we can have somebody that'll laugh at our nonsense. You know? I mean, I feel badly that she's had to listen thus far, um, but <laughs> it's been a chore. Been, I'm not gonna she's, lie. She's been <laughs> but... a great audience, but mostly, um, just I feel sad for her. Honestly. Um, <laughs> But I, I, you know, I, I was super pumped that you, that you came up with this idea, Neil. I think it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, I think we have similar approaches to, uh, our thinking and yeah. our comedy. And yeah. so I think that is going to lend itself well to, uh, getting real with folks and trying to be helpful in, in the same way. Um, Wonderful. so I'm pumped on I this. I think the greatest loss is the angry pill. I really like that logo. We can use it on the freaking, why I don't, I mean, we could talk about the logistics off the air guys. Like, come on. Like, well, the war, <laughs> if there's a war, you can take the pill and you can shoot it out of a gun and then <laughs> it's like an attack mechanism that you can Love use uh, all right, to enough. fire the pill, <laughs> firing the pill. I think Dan needs to be here the whole time. I I've taken enough here. slack here. Listen, no, it I is, think this is great. It is time for me to say thank you. A hundred episodes done in the books, tons of guests. Tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of downloads. Delivering this content to you in this format is some of the most fun that I've had. And it's time for us to begin anew. COVID is over. Everything is changing. Life is restarting, right? And so it's time Hooray. for us to become the Wellness Warrior Podcast. I'm dragging in Mr. DeSico here of RTD Fitness. And we're going to make changes in people's lives and we're going to keep it real. COVID is almost over. It is time for us to celebrate. We have to come out of our caves and we got to drop the fat that we put on while we were in there, right? We got to make this <laughs> wellness journey start today because we got to fit in yourself. a bikini soon. I already dropped the weight. So you're just, I mean, if you'll lay off the cookies, Neil, you know, you go to these vaccination sites and you're pounding donuts. Don't think I don't see what's going on. Duncan. Duncan's. Uh, Neil runs, runs on, on Duncan. Duncan. Yeah, exactly. I need to run, period, is really what I need to do. So I think that, Dana, we're going to take a 30-day timeout. I'm going to be very busy with vaccines and all sorts of other things. So we're going to take 30 days. Mark and I are going to powwow. We're going to come up with a, a great agenda for you, Wellness Warrior. We're going to come up with a good plan. Um, so what I want you folks to do is to tune in again. With everything new here with me, Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist, Mark DeSico. Dana will join us on the journey, too. And we're going to talk to you folks again in one month. 
Thanks so much again for everything. And we can't wait to start all this great stuff. 